The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert and Tim Coates, all thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel, and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. Thanks for joining Tim and Romy today on the 2TM News Podcast. Today we're discussing youth mental health with local member for Tamworth, Kevin Anderson. Really grateful to have you on the podcast with us today, Kevin. We're just having a little bit of a discussion around youth mental health in the region. We did speak to some wonderful people on last episode and we're just yeah wanting to get your response to a couple of things and hear your understanding of, of how things are progressing for um, our region. So sure. I suppose the first question um, to just ease into it is, can you tell us a little bit about how the New Banksia Mental Health Unit is progressing? The New Banksia Mental Health Unit is progressing well. We're very fortunate that we've been able to secure a significant amount of resources from the New South Wales Government to build a brand new mental health facility for Tamworth and that will service all of the New England Northwest. So it's a it's a, uh, a very exciting project, much needed project, and something that uh, I believe will certainly uh, assist those who need that uh, that love and care and support uh, when they need it most. All right, so Kev, the, the at the moment time for consultation is twenty um, second of April, I think, is the closing date. Is it for submissions or something like that? Yeah, around about there, Tim. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and recently there was a great announcement um, you were party to with Joblink Plus putting in about $1.5 million. Um, what was that aimed at and, and what will that add, add to the project? What it will do, and Joblink Plus have been outstanding in their commitment to the community and they've chosen uh, youth mental health certainly as one of their focuses and the $1.5 million donation from Joblink Plus It'll further develop the project's design to establish a new pod, which will be part of the new Banksy unit, which will cater for children, adolescents and uh, vulnerable people. Because our understanding is also that the child and adolescent mental health services from the New South Wales government um, come into the 18-year-olds, and I think there's there's a bit of a fear that the 18 to 25s are maybe in that vulnerable gap where there's no specific services for them. Is, Is that your understanding, or am I wrong? The specific services that will be provided, Tim, will be across the board. We're seeing a much younger cohort of of people identifying with mental health issues. So in my view, uh, Banksia, coupled with this new pod uh, for adolescents and vulnerable people, will be part of that. Uh, There'll be two new beds or two beds in this purpose-built pod. It's a short-stay facility designed uh, for those who need it most in that critical component where they need that that intervention to stabilise. It'll be separate from the rest of the unit and physically it'll it'll be an ensuite with a small lounge and a dining area and and uh, that'll that'll be able to flex into um, certainly being able to cater for the younger people who need that intervention that early intervention that 72 hours to either stabilize triage and see what their next steps are. So Kevin, in terms of long-term, should there be a specific number of long-term beds dedicated to youth at at Banksia? Well, the Banksia component that's then the new component will be 33 beds, which is uh, which is more than what's there now. I think the way that mental health is being uh, addressed and the focus on mental health is certainly welcome. We need sunlight to be shone on the services that we need, uh, and and I think 
if you were to build a 33-bed facility like we are now and it's being built for the future with the capability and capacity to grow, uh, the challenge we face, Romy, is uh, as soon as you put a number on something, you've automatically outgrown it Mm. because of the need that we have not only in our area but certainly right across. So it's about the services that are provided. How do we get people well? How do we reduce their stay in an institution? Because I know there's focus on beds and, and accommodation spaces, but when you think about the way healthcare is delivered, uh, no one wants to stay in hospital for any longer than is needed. So when someone says, oh, you know, it's a 300-bed hospital, uh, people don't want to stay in hospital. They'd much rather uh, be, you know, go to hospital, get their get their uh, their medical condition treated in an appropriate facility like a hospital and go home and they recuperate at home. No one wants to stay any longer than they need to. And for mental health, it's exactly the same. They want to be with their loved ones. They want to be in a, in a, cool, in a, in a calming, warm, loving environment. And, uh, you know, a, a mental health facility, uh, while it, it needs to have that warm, welcoming, loving feel about it, they would much rather be with their, uh, with their loved ones. So I guess the concept there basically is to handle the emergency, triage the emergency, and then put in a um, system of um, recuperation. And part of that recuperation is the 72 hours referral down to, to John Hunter maybe if they need to go a little bit longer and then back out into their, their own space. Is that, is that what we're saying? Yeah, the, the, short, the short-term pod, that 72-hour critical triage, uh, is exactly that, Tim. So, you know, there, is, there will be a safe place where they will be able to access uh, all of the clinicians that will be operating around and providing services at Banksia. So it will be connected to the new Banksy building, but will have its own separate entrance. So it will be it will be separated, but they'll be able to tap into the services uh, that are being provided in the main facility. So, Kevin, I think, but we're talking about youth that have been lucky enough to get through to the to the point to be able to um, have the support to get to Banksia. Um, but there's a lot of community discussions at the moment on Facebook and, and around the joint about just health government organisations in the region in general being really difficult to get support from, like to get through to the line or to have someone to be able to assess you. There's time waits and things like that. Do we need more community-based NGOs providing qualified services and experts to discuss with youth in terms of like preventing preventing getting to going to banks here and having to potentially stay in a 72-hour bed like you said no one wants to go no one wants to go to the place to be in the bed unless they really desperately need it so what can we do in terms of leading up to that for for the youth that the, that are saying that there's um there's no one there there's always a call and i'm certainly behind that call and quite often leading the charge on providing more services uh, purely uh, at that grassroots level. Where does someone go at 2 a.m. in the morning? You know, who do they talk to? Uh, where can they get that support? But I think it's a whole-of-government approach. You know, it, it's certainly with family and community services, which is the old docs, yeah. about parents. It's about, you know, um, how that parent is treated or triaged in relation to having a young person who is, who is uh, suffering an episode or self-harming you know, there's a lot of work to be done around there. I met with some families uh, last week, in fact, 
in relation to um, the the rules of engagement between a young person now whether that person young person being adult and adults um, or just becoming an adult and the best port of call would be the parents who are trying to care for that young person but the government now steps in and says okay no this is the way it's going to be held or going to be handled where the parent says no 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 this is <clears throat> the correct pathway so i think there needs to be a much greater understanding of the system and it's very complex because mm-hmm. each individual person is unique no one uh, person who is suffering from mental health issues is the same you can't just throw a blanket over everyone and say well that cohort belongs over there and that group belongs over there so it's really it's really important to be able to say just one sec it's really important to be able to say that um you know, find that pathway, that unique person uh, has this unique circumstances, what's the best way to first and foremost look at how do we uh, provide comfort, love and care and support around that person to get them the treatment they need. And the challenges, one of the other challenges is having the clinical specialists here in Mm -hmm. Tamworth and in regional New South Wales, you know, whether it's doctors, psychologists, um, whatever it may be, they just seem to be in short supply in regional New South Wales, so that's also a big problem. What do you think it will take to get them out here? I'm constantly having those discussions about recruitment and retention of clinical specialists. Uh, I'm doing everything I can and looking at options, looking outside the square, looking at pathways and models and incentives to attract people to come. I think one of the one of the key components is uh, having a you know a young doctors, young psychiatrists. A young specialist program and they're happening now and they do come here so we've got to show them that this is a great area to live work train play but also professionally develop but also that they're not going to be working 24 hours a day seven days a week those days are gone that mm. you know there are different models of care there are different ways of working there are different ways of getting that work-life balance and I think, you know, when people do think back to, you know, their local GP who would work seven days a week and then visit you in hospital if you're in hospital, then pick up his doctor's bag and go and make house calls as well, those days are gone. Um, and we need to continually explore better ways, more innovative ways to attract, uh, you know, clinicians and specialists and GPs uh, to the region. Because, you know, it... it when you look at it, it's um, telehealth works in some spaces, but in the mental health space, it pr- probably doesn't work as much. You know, people want to feel that the person in front of them is not on a screen; they can reach out and touch them. I, I guess that's my limited understanding of it. And when you talk about the illnesses that relate, particularly to youth, anxiety, depression, ADHD, eating disorders, and schizophrenia seem to be at the top of the list, quoted by most most journals. Um, yeah, the Black Dog Institute quoting that one in five 16 to 85-year-olds have some, some sort of mental health issue. We're talking about fires, floods, um, pandemics. So the depression or anxiety has come out as a, as a big issue. Is there going to be a bigger demand? I mean, we're exiting, obviously, graduates, Kevin. Do we need... Does there need to be a push in that direction from New South Wales Health? Because it's, it's going to get bigger, not smaller. 
as a community member, I live and work and breathe our community. So I'm doing everything I can, just as you are, Tim, just as you are, Romy. Hunter New England Health, we're in constant contact with. They're the experts in the health field. Uh, We're pushing them, and they're the ones that are doing everything I believe they can as well. There is job applications online now. You can go and have a look. Okay. That, that they are actually recruiting now, and they have been for some time. They just won't be filled. They just can't be filled at this particular point in time unless they offer, you know, some some incentive. We've got a significant GP shortage in Gunnedah at the yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Now the benchmark, the benchmark is one doctor per eleven to uh, eleven hundred to thirteen hundred people. So at this point in time, there might be three doctors, four doctors in Canada for 13,000 people. So, you know, just getting GPs. But Hunter New England Health, uh, I've had meetings with the, you know, with the senior executives of, of, the, of the health district. They are doing everything they can, and they've shown me what they're doing to try to recruit. It also comes down to, I think, um, uh, local word of mouth. There's nothing better... And in any industry, you look at the radio industry, someone rings you who's thinking about coming to Tamworth, Romy or Tim, and goes, oh, what's it like to work at 2TM? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, what's the town like? Yeah, fantastic. They'll see an ad, but they want that local input first. So it's important that local GPs, local clinicians, local specialists also get on board, and they are spreading the word about how good it is to live, work, and play and deliver health services and, and, uh, and work in our great region. So no doubt you're championing the cause as always, and we, we thank you for doing that. Um, on, a, on a slightly positive note, going at 90 degrees probably, or even 180 degrees, um, you're excited as the Racing Minister also to see the Tamworth Cup here uh, next week. I can't wait. Look, Tim, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, the Tamworth Jockey Club is uh, is heading in, in the right direction, and to have the, have the Gold Cup next Friday and, and the Calcutta next Thursday night at the Long Yard, and, you know, we've got uh, a lot of attention being shown uh, on on Tamworth, and not only from a radio but also a TV perspective. And again, I can fold this back into the recruitment process for psychiatrists and um, uh, and doctors for young people. The more people that see uh, how good this region is for um, whatever means that they're looking at, and whatever platform they're looking at it on, the better. So you never know. There might be a, a racing enthusiast who's a clinical psychiatrist looking to move somewhere or just suddenly sees Tamworth and the beautiful city that it is on the racing channel and goes, you know what, actually I know that uh, you know, they might, they're looking for some work up there and that might be the exposure they get. So I don't care how they get that exposure to who we are, what we are and what we have to offer – so the more eyeballs that people can see Tamworth, whether it's through racing, tourism, hospitality, health, I don't care. So I see racing, Tim. You're a big racing man. I see this as another real opportunity to showcase Tamworth uh, to the world. Oh, look, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you and I, I think went on a journey a long time ago to get a number of doctors up in Tamworth, and uh, we successfully did that with a number. It was a team effort, if you remember. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and this is exactly the same scenario again, but you know, half a million dollars, Tamworth Cup, hopefully you're there uh, on the day presenting the cup with, with whoever else needs to be. If Mr PVL is up here, um, Peter Volandis for the uninformed, it'd be great to see. I mean, it's just a, a really good thing, the first Friday 
race meeting for quite a number of years. Um, I might even see if I can find a, a jacket and go out to the races. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll, be, I'll definitely be there. You know, I'll be flying the flag for Tamworth, and if Sky Television or Racing New South Wales have got media there, I'll be trying to get my face on there to push Tamworth and, yeah. and, and, and again, highlight how good this region is. And while racing is, is very important to us, it's the big picture. It certainly does let people know that uh, this is a fantastic region to be part of. We're seeing lots of building and construction. This city is booming. There's no doubt about that. Um, we're, over the next 10 years, on the back of some of the infrastructure and, and the construction that's happening out near the airport on Wallamall Road with the new uh, freight train station that's being built uh, and there's you know all the roadworks being done out there, we will see significant business come to Tamworth and hopefully, again, when people start talking about investment, they might look at Tamworth a bit differently. And clinical psychologists, I'm, you know, coming back to the original yep. point of the discussion, might go, we actually might need to just go for a drive and have a look at this place. You know, and then hopefully it might, it might uh, give them some ideas and they go, well, let's go and try it. You know what I mean? So everything we can possibly do, don't leave no stone unturned in terms of the recruitment and, uh, and the opportunity to sell this great region to get more clinical psychologists, more specialists to help our young people provide the services that we desperately need. Absolutely. Well, that's good. And that um, survey does close the 22nd, which is the day before the Tamworth Cup, which is the other way they tie in <laughs> together. So they do, they do tie in and encourage people to go online and have their say. It's, uh, it's great to stand back and throw bricks and stones, but it's also good to put useful ideas down on paper, don't you think? 100%. Thanks 100%. very much for your time today, Kevin. Romy, and thanks for everything that you're doing for, for Tamworth. We are grateful. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. Look, I love being part of this community, and, and I'm grateful to you and I'm grateful to Tim because everybody plays their part. Just us talking about this on your podcast is another opportunity for people to listen how good our region is. So everybody's playing their part, so I'm grateful and thankful for what you're doing as well. We always want to have a conversation about everything that's going on. <laughs> it's good important. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks, Kev. Enjoy your day. Good on you. Talk soon. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye.